G'day, g'day. Welcome to the fourth episode of the Osmic Podcast. I'm still Ned, I'm still in my bedroom, and yep, you guessed it, the Knicks still suck. If you're a returning listener to the Osmic Podcast, welcome back. If it's your first time here, I hope you somewhat enjoy it and at least stay long enough to run up my statistics, much like Bobby Portis does in his time on the court. So, what a what a weird week. There was a lot of joy and confidence coming off the Chicago win. Uh, the adjustments made in-game were very good in the second half. It seemed to continue in Orlando for the first three and a bit quarters and then the fourth quarter the Knicks reverted back to being stupid and uh, just gave the ball away and forced poor shots. That obviously comes down to coaching because you're putting the ball in the wrong player's hands. Boston was a great game up until the final two seconds where I think Fizdale made a big mistake in not having Marcus Morris guard Jason Tatum. He was the second option all night long and I would have put him on Tatum and then RJ Barrett onto Gordon Haywood. And then watching that game and watching that play, it made me realise how much I despised David Fiztel's after-timeout play calling because he used Kemba Walker in the backcourt as a complete decoy and then gave Jason Tatum the whole right side of the floor to himself to operate. I think today actually was the first time we saw a successful ATO. That's besides the point. Sunday was a complete and utter disaster from start to finish and the disaster continued post-game with the comments that David Fisdale made and then today against the Pistons was good for the first first half, I would say, was pretty good and then the wheels completely fell off during parts of the third quarter and then completely in the fourth quarter we got hit with a bunch of technicals and the defensive rotations just uh, stopped and we got burnt like there was no tomorrow. So yeah, that was a very poor, shitty breakdown of the week that was. I think there is a lot to unpack and a lot to be learned from the past eight, 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 eight days, eight days, nine days, I'm not sure. Um, I'm hopped up on drugs right now due to a viral sinus infection. Oh, I think that's what the doctor said, I don't know, I wasn't paying much attention. I was just there to get me drugs um, to make myself feel a bit better. Um, and get out of the misery that is the Knicks. Anyways, aside from that tangent, I think there's a lot to be learnt from what the Knicks have been doing and what they have done. Um, a lot of people still say it's still early, it's a lot of new faces, there's no continuity, but I think a lot of what's wrong with the Knicks has nothing to do with any of those issues. And I saw someone post that the Knicks have led in three of their losses in the final 40 seconds, but in the other what four losses, they've been completely outplayed for most of the game. Um, so I think the trend is more so that the Knicks are bad rather than the trend being the Knicks are sneaky good and playing well. Um, I don't know why people seem to think that we can't look into and break down what happens through eight games because there are obviously some pretty big danger signs and warning signs and... Eight games is more than enough to decipher and figure out the patterns and the tendencies of the team so far. It's not just eight games of random happenings. As I said, the trends, the tendencies, the style of play, the identity, which is no identity, has become quite clear quite quickly. It's just a sort of helplessness on Nick's Twitter and because the adjustments that should be made seem so, so obvious, yet the coaching stuff is just uh, reenacting Sandra Bullock from Bird Box with blindfolds on as they cannot see anything 
uh, which is infuriating because, as I said, they seem so obvious. And therein is where the root of all the Knicks' problem lies. I believe it's a majority on the coaching staff, on the head coach, David Fisdale. I know Marcus Morris tried to defend him, saying he's putting the players in the best position possible to succeed, uh, which is factually incorrect because the shot profile is horrible, especially for someone like Marcus Morris. He's not using Julius Randle correctly at all. Um, he's not holding Bobby Portis accountable. Same goes for Marcus Morris and even Julius Randle. Um, he said on the opening night telecast, he's not here to make people happy. He's here to win basketball games. However, it seems he's more likely to be appeasing the veterans, getting them their shots, feeding them their looks, rather than doing what's best for the team in trying to win basketball games. Um, another reason, another example of that would be Taj Gibson. Why the hell has he been glued to the bench? Um... Bobby Portis has been absolute garbage since um, the game against the Bulls. He was okay against Orlando. He just couldn't make he couldn't make a shot in the first half. And then against Boston, he forgot how to basketball and make uh, the most easiest of shots, the standard basic layup. Um, he was atrocious against Sacramento. And again, today, he was a turnstile defensively. Offensively, I don't know what the Knicks are doing with him. Um, again, besides the point, sorry for all the tangents today might just blame it all on the drugs. Anyway, yes, as I said, this is a coaching problem, uh, not a player problem. The talent is there. We have the we have good basketball players. We have actual NBA players this year. Last year we did not have actual NBA players. Uh, it kind of it reminds me a lot of the what was it 2015-16 season. So 14-15 uh, we won 17 games with um, no actual NBA players and then in 20 15, 16, we had actual NBA players and we won 31 games. And that's sort of the trajectory I was thinking the Knicks would take. Maybe not that amount of wins because, well, Carmelo Anthony was still actually pretty good at basketball back then. But I thought maybe 27, 28 wins. Um, but yeah, here we are, 1-7. and seven. God help us all. Um, I'm, I feel a lot sorrier for all of you in the United States who actually are able to watch all of the games because... Um, so far, watching the games, my eyes have been bleeding, and then um, my ears have been bleeding due to whatever David Fisdale has spewed out to the media. Again, why am I doing all these tangents? Okay, let's get back on track. So what are the biggest issues with the coaching at the moment? Firstly, I'd have to say it's the rotations and the lineups that are being run out there. We've seen the Marcus Morris, Julius Randle, and Bobby Porter's front line being rolled out continuously. And the past three games, it's been absolutely tragic and it has not worked. So I do not know why uh, Coach David Fisdale insists on going back to it. It's almost like we don't have enough power forwards because we can't seem to actually make a lineup of it work. Um, another key issue, well, another issue with the rotations is that Wayne Ellington has been completely off and completely cold all season. Yet someone like Damian Dotson, who is a better defender and um, his shooting numbers towards the end of last year, the second half of last year, were uh, really good. So it's a shame to see Dot get glued to the bench. Um, I know Ellington has gravity, but when you're not actually shooting good shots and making shots, there's not real real benefit to having him out there. Um, Tria, I'm not opposed to him sitting. I'm watching that game against Sacramento. I was pulling my hair out watching him play point. He got blocked by De'Aaron Fox, and he took it way too personally, and... 
tried to go back at him every single possession and, well, that's just not how you're going to win basketball games, is it? Even though that game was already lost, well, the Knicks were making a run and he decided he was going to play one on five. Um, yeah, and it was just terrible to watch. So, yes, the big man rotation, the front court rotation um, with the second unit, and I think RJ Barrett is not a point guard, so I think Dennis Smith and Alfred Payton can't get back quickly enough. As I said in the, throughout the preseason, I think RJ will be successful as a secondary playmaker when he's like coming off a screen and catching the ball on the move and then he's able to drive into the paint um, and then make a kick-out pass or throw a lob to the big man. I don't think he's um, an initiator, which I think was clearly displayed in the first game, yet we seem insistent on doing it. But I guess we don't have any other option with Peyton injured, DSJ away for personal reasons. And I think Kadeem Allen's actually got a knee injury and that's why he hasn't been called up because he was actually quite useful towards the end of last year, wasn't he? And then there was Kevin Knox playing shooting hard today, which was just awful to watch because he can't defend a small forward or a power forward. So how's he going to guard a shooting guard who, um, as it is said in the title, shoots and moves off the ball. Uh, he was just completely shocking defensively today. Um, I know people say they want to play him at power forward, but I just don't know what position is best for him because what position is he going to give up the least amount of points? Because he came into the game today when he first checked in, the Pistons went at him three consecutive trips and they scored on all three. Whether he was the um, secondary defender or the primary defender, the first one was... He just got completely beaten by Luke Kennard and um, just gave up and Drummond had a dunk. And then Tony Snell, who was 4 for 4 from the field, um, he just like, there was a handoff and then he just decided not to contest the shooter, which was just infuriating. And I think as much generic praise as Wally Serbiak wants to give Kevin Knox, the, um, the hard reality is, aside from the first two games where he was shooting out of his mind, he's been quite shit. Um entering today's game, so the previous, um, how many games we played? Played eight, minus two is six, minus one in today's game, so five games, uh, the five games before today's game against Detroit, he was shooting 33% from the field and 26% from three-point range, they are bad numbers uh, defensively, I don't even want to look at his um, individual like defensive field goal percentage because that's probably a bit misleading, but the team defensive rating when he's on the floor. Oof. Oofed. Oofed. Don't even want to look at it. Anyway, yeah, so back to the rotation thing. Um, He was playing two guard. I don't think that is it. What's next? Him playing point guard? Mm, wouldn't put it past Fistow, would you? So my main three issues with the coaching at the moment is the lack of accountability. Bobby Porter seems to be able to go out there, freewheel, freelance, do what he wants. Same goes for Marcus Morris, and there aren't any repercussions. And even Julius Randle, I know he's our star acquisition. Star is a big fat asterisk next to it, probably in red. Um, he was our big acquisition of free agency, yet he's able to go out there, do what he wants, turn the ball over as much as he would like, and there's no accountability for it. I think that's, it might seem like a little thing, but towards young guys, it's probably not a great example to be setting. So... I think that's something that needs to be fixed up. And it's also just discipline. David Fisdale needs to, as uh, Woody Harrelson in Zombieland says, nut up or shut up. Secondly, secondly, secondary, 
The second issue for me is the lineup balance. It's just fucking horrid, isn't it? Uh, we keep trotting Morris, Randall, and Portis out there during second quarters, and it's completely and utterly disastrous. Um, the starting lineup as well, we like um, Morris is posting up, and Randall is posting up, and everyone's having a fun old time running into each other. So I think Morris needs to be pulled from that lineup, and then you put in an extra shooter, and then your second or your reserves would be maybe Frank. Ellington, or maybe Ellington should start all, Frank, Dot, Knox, Morris, and Portis. That way there's at least some semblance of balance and floor spacing in the starters and the reserves. And the third issue I have is just, as we've all seen, the play calling. It is absolutely atrocious. Um, I don't know whether we're playing NBA regular season basketball, preseason basketball, or 5-on-5 summer workout pickup ball, because it's just... Post up ISO, post up ISO, uh, shot after one pass, shot after two passes. Um, the, they rarely run a good set. <laughs> it's just laughable how bad it is. I think today, though, um, towards the end of the first quarter and the start of the second quarter, when we went on a bit of a run uh, with Frank in control, uh, that was pleasing to watch. However, that is not sustainable and has not been sustainable throughout the year. Um the play calling is stale, it's boring, there's no creativity from David Fistel. Just on that, the after timeout play calling and the end of quarter play calling, it's f- horrid. It's like, it makes me want to be sick. It makes me want to be violently ill. It is that bad. I'm convinced David Fisdale, like just draws a massive dick on his coaching board and just says, <laughs> here, have fun with that, guys. And just he does nothing to help his players. So yes, as again, again, I'll say it again, Marcus Morris, you're wrong. He's not doing anything to put you in a position to succeed. As I said, eight games is more than enough to be able to establish patterns and trends. And a pattern and a trend is that the Knicks like to give Marcus Morris mid-post touches and feed him post-touches. Um, I don't know why they feel a need to do this. Is it because they want to trade him? If that's the reason, then they are just plain stupid. Um, there's no need to force him to take shots and to put up numbers because there are 29 other teams out there. Teams, I was going to say GMs and then teams. Teams out there that know who Marcus Morris is and what he brings to the basketball court. So I don't think there's any need to force him or to feed him shots and to make him put up numbers because... If anyone's going to trade for him, it's going to be a contender and he's going to go straight back to playing defense and uh, taking spot-up threes. So the Knicks could just, if the Knicks could just make him do that and uh, put him in a position to do that, the team will be much more successful, I think, because running um, isolations for him is just complete and utter garbage. The same goes for Julius Randle. Well, not in the sense that we're trying to force him to put up numbers, but we're just feeding him the ball in the post. And again, eight games is enough to see patterns and trends. Teams have figured out that if you put pressure on Julius Randle, he's just going to turn the ball over and throw it away, or he's going to force up a bloody horrible shot. So again, that's an adjustment that the coaching staff needs to figure out. Um, I don't know what Julius is meant to do. I'm going to try and defend Julius a bit here. I don't know what he's meant to do when he's been given the ball. And like... 
He's not used to this, that's fair. He's used to getting the ball one-on-one, backing down, making a move and scoring. But now teams have figured out, okay, we throw a second guy at you, we kind of shadow a third guy at you, and you're just going to completely shit your pants. So that's the thing that the coaching staff need to figure out. And they did so in the first half today. Randall was excellent in the first half. He was getting the ball on the move. Um, he, was, he wasn't just like sitting in the post. He was getting um, like cross the lane action, getting a back screen to come across and get good position. And then he was able to make a quick decisive move, things of that nature. And then obviously hitting three balls if he can start to actually shoot. Um, well, shoot, yeah, shoot, be able to shoot. Remember how to shoot. He was one of 20 entering today's game. Like, that is wow. For those playing along at home, that's 5%. But he made three three three-pointers today. made two in the second quarter. So um, he made good adjustments in the first half. And in the second half, the inability to make those adjustments again uh, was just bad to watch. And again, as I said, again. I said again after Marcus Morris and there's again... Another again after Julius Randle. Bobby Portis is another one who I don't know why we are feeding him post-touches. I don't know why he loves floaters so much. I don't know why he loves post-hooks so much. He's quite bad at them. Um, I'd rather see him pick and pop and shoot threes rather than try to play one-on-one basketball. If you're at least going to try him, trying to get him shots at the rim, at least make them come off pick and rolls or something. Just watching him play one-on-one uh, makes my eyes bleed and it's just infuriating. So yeah, he's had one good game this year and since then he hasn't been able to make a layup or a three-pointer. Um, and yeah, he's just quite honestly been useless because defensively he is blind as a bat and deaf as a post. Doesn't see anything, doesn't hear anything and we just hemorrhage points with him on the floor playing center. So yeah, overall in the play calling, I don't think I just don't think there's enough variance or creativity uh, it all seems very vanilla and very basic what's being run. Um, and the Knicks in recent games have had trouble scoring the basketball. Um, you know, they've scored over 100 points, but league average is up around 106, 107. So, you know, to be even league average, you need to be doing better. And as I said throughout the year, the Knicks have the talent, and we've seen it with Morris and Randall at times, is they have the individual talent to put up points, but there's nothing consistent there. Um, so... Just something needs to be done by the coaching staff. Some form of creativity. If someone could just like get concussed like Jackie Moon, wake up and then discover something like the alley-oop like that, it'd just be fan-bloody-tastic, wouldn't it? To that point of figuring out some easy way to score, I don't think the Knicks are generating enough easy looks um, and easy ways to score. Their offense seems very dependent on individual talent creating rather than team basketball creating good open looks. It's, as I said, making my eyes bleed at the moment. Uh, We've seen it in stretches. The Boston game, the first half... No, not the first half against Orlando. That was a complete shit show offensively. Um, The second half against the Bulls, we saw adjustments made where the offense was flowing more. Uh, The game against Boston, as I said, that was pretty good for three and a half quarters. I think in the fourth quarter of that game, actually we kind of broke down a bit and we had Marcus Morris save us with some bailout jumpers. I think he hit a bunch of late clock threes in the fourth quarter and then he got fouled on a three and then obviously the uh, game tie, which was just a bit of serendipity, as Clyde would say. So yeah, I think that just goes to the point that we're relying on individual talent to create 
uh, points and manufacture points rather than a good system and good team basketball being able to um, generate good looks on a consistent basis and generate um, a good shot chart and a more ball shot chart on a consistent enough basis. Like I've been saying it online a bit, but yeah, to the to this point, this whole point of the play calling, just Marcus Morris's offense isn't sustainable. Like he was really good in the first half against San Antonio, and then the second half of that game, um, the game against Brooklyn, the game against Boston, the game against Chicago, the game against Orlando, he was bad. And then the game against Boston, in Boston. I should say, um, he was good again, and then against Sacramento, he was good again. But the thing is, and then today against the Pistons, he was all right. But the thing is, the shots are the same. The shot profile hasn't changed. It's just, if he's hot, it makes it look okay. And if he's cold, it's just completely and utterly horrible. Um, so, yeah, I think that just, as I said, that ties into the point of uh, individual talent being relied upon too heavily. So, have there been any actual positives in the past week? Yes, there actually have been some. Uh, Frank seems to have found himself a nice little role with the team, um, whether it be starting or coming off the bench in the future. I think we've finally found a place for him that um, he's just going to go out there and defend. And then I think we've seen him be more confident with his shooting. Even after he went over six against Chicago, he continued shooting against Orlando continued shooting against uh, Boston, and then continued shooting today. So I think if we can instill that sense of, like, don't be afraid to go out there and shoot, um, he'll be a really valuable two-way player or a 3 and D player. Um, after the shocking start, he's actually shot, and shot the ball okay from three. Let's see, he went, like, two or five against Orlando, two or four against... Boston, what's that? Four of nine, O of one. He's like five of eleven since that O four performance. So I think the shooting's coming around, and his mid-range game has been pretty nice since. So um, he's been a real positive for me. He put on an absolute defensive clinic in the first half today. People mightn't realize how well Luke Kennard had played uh, before the game against the Knicks, but he was shut down by Frank uh, Bruce Brown couldn't couldn't do anything we know he can't shoot but he likes to get to the rim and frank just completely put the clamps on him he wasn't able to pe- penetrate whatsoever um so yeah i think he's been a real positive sign for us and i think everyone loves it when frank succeeds i don't know why he's so weird because everyone seems to have an emotional investment in him i know i certainly do and it's bloody huge and a lot of nick's twitter does as well but I know he's divisive, but I think we all want him to succeed. And Clyde said it, we just want him to be good. Um, yeah, aside from the gushing, I think he's just gone out there and played his role for the team. Defend, get the offensive moving, get the offensive get the offense moving, take your open shots, hopefully make your open shots, which he started doing. Um, and I've been really pleased to see that. And someone said today that his development gone backwards, but I, it's probably been the best five-game stretch of his career, four-game stretch, five-game stretch. Uh, the Sacramento game was pretty poor, but um, he bounced back well today. So uh, if you take in account that game against the Bulls where he was a catalyst for the win, um, the game against Orlando where he was pretty good throughout the first half, had some nice passes in the second half, the game against Boston, he was a real standout for us defensively. 
Uh, Sacramento, as I said, he was nothing. And then today, uh, he was pretty good. So that's a five-game span where he's been pretty good for us. And that's probably the best stretch of his career. We know he's had moments, you know, where he had that game against Charlotte, scoring a bunch of points in a quarter. But yeah, best stretch of his career, I'd say. RJ continues to be good at basketball, which is refreshing from a rookie, considering Frank was pretty poor in his rookie year and Kevin Knox was historically bad in his rookie year. But uh, RJ's passing continues to be a real strength of his. I think he had eight assists. Eight assists, I should say. I can't talk properly. Yes, he had eight assists against the Pistons. I think he had five against the Celtics. And he had three against the Kings. So um, he's already totaled more career assists than Porzingis, probably. Don't fact-check me on that, but it seems likely, doesn't it? Porzingis just doesn't pass. But yeah, um, his shooting hasn't really been there. His finishing at the rim has been quite poor, but the three-point shooting continues to be solid. I think he's shooting 38%. Now the free-throw shooting is still an issue. Oh, little side note. One thing that really pissed me off in the Kings game was when Rebecca Harlow was talking about his free throw shooting, and the Knicks have just like said, uh, just watch your feet, make sure your feet line up, and they haven't wanted to get in his head about it. Like, no, fix the fucking problem now while he is 19 and young. Get rid of the bad habits now. Don't let them continue. What are you doing? You know how stupid that is? Like, Tristan Thompson waited four years to fix it, and look where he's ended up. He's actually playing well this year, Tristan Thompson, to be fair. But yeah, like, fix the problems now. Don't wait until he's four or five years in and then decide, yeah, this needs to be fixed. Because he's getting to the line a lot. Like, fix it now so he can actually be good at it now. Yeah, sorry for that. That just got me really heated. And I went, oh, I lost my shit. I was like, do you know how dumb that is? Just letting the guy continue with bad habits and broken mechanics. He's getting to the line a lot. Fix it now so he can start making them and making teams pay. Like, I don't know. It just seems so stupid to me. Okay, anyway, aside from that, yes. RJ's passing, he's great. His ability to get to the line, as I said, and I've been talking about, ranting about, has been pretty good. Uh, despite the fact that someone said on Twitter uh, he seeks the contact, which is a good habit, but um, if you can't make the free throws, the contact seeks you. Just, I found that I had a nice giggle. Nice giggle to that, yeah. Which is, I think that's true because um, teams will just be like treat him like a big man who can't shoot free throws. Like, ah, oh, you can't shoot. Yeah, you're not getting this layup. We'll just foul you anyways. So it's something I think needs to be improved now. If anyone from the Knicks bothers listen to this ever, fix it now. Don't wait. Yes. Aside from my um, tedious calls for fixing his free throw form. Yeah, like, it's just weird to me. Like, there's been times where he's, like, missed two free throws and, like, two possessions later comes down and hits a three. Oh, that just reminded me so much of J.R. Smith. It's not even funny. It's just incredible to me. But, yeah, the rebounding... What? Yeah, as I said last time, he had 15 against the Bulls. He's had some solid numbers. I think he had seven against the Celtics. He had eight against the Kings. And I think he had six today against the Pistons so yeah that's been a real strength of his and um I was expecting him to be good right away but not this good and not this well-rounded so as bad as we are at least we still have RJ Barrett at least we still have some um form of light at the end of the tunnel and some semblance of hope 
something to try and drag us through this miserable existence at the, at the moment. Aside from Frank and RJ, the new starting backcourt, uh, there haven't really been many positives. I don't think Morris is obviously he's he's put up he's put up his numbers. He's been good offensively and defensively, kept us in a bunch of games, um, boosting that trade value, which is which is fantastic. We just love to see that. Um, I don't know I'm just counting down the days until the fire sale that is uh, December, is it the 15th or whatever? So we got, we got what, 38 days to go until we can trade everybody in a mass first round picks, hopefully. Uh, yes, so he's doing a nice job of boosting his trade value. Uh, Bobby Portis is not. He's been a negative. So any other positives? Let me just try and rack my brain. Frank has been good. RJ has been good continuously been continuously good he's continued to be good we already know he's good but continuing to be good is a good thing to be good at that's probably enough rambling for me on the pistons game and the recent happenings in the over the past nine days but i I know i said it that eight games is enough to establish trends but i honestly just can't wait for this team to get healthy Uh, i thought bullock might not find a spot in the rotation but um, if he's going to come in and hit threes at a high clip and defend. He's also a veteran, so that means he gets precedent over um, the younger players. And then we only have one point guard at the moment, so hopefully Elfrid can come back for the game against the Cavaliers. He's already been ruled out against the Mavericks. Dennis is expected to rejoin the team during this road trip at some point. He won't play against Dallas, they don't think, but... Hopefully we can build up his confidence and get him back out there. Um, yeah, just injuries don't help with very poor lineups and um, continuity. But and then obviously not having an actual system to implement them back into that doesn't help either. So Dennis, please be really confident when you come back. So if you have a dent in your confidence, it only takes you down to being confident, not overly confident. So um, yeah, injuries aren't fun are they Reggie's been affected by a bunch of stuff that sucks for him but hopefully they said he was going to be out for a month the first month of the season so coming up we've got probably another two weeks to go we haven't heard anything about him um about his recovery that's probably due to the fact that he's away from the team at the moment but hopefully we can get a full roster back figure out some proper lineups well a few more good lineups we know we have we know we can run some good lineups out there it's just a matter of doing it more often and then hopefully with uh, returning players we can do it more frequently and hopefully that translates to better basketball and better basketball hopefully translates to more wins. Anyway, the Knicks take on the Dallas Mavericks on th- 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 Friday Friday night in the United States, I think it is. Uh, so Saturday morning for me. I might be at work for this one, but it's a Saturday, pretty crazy day. There's no managers at the office, so might be able to pull it up on the work screen again. The Mavs have gotten off to a good start. They're five and two. Luca is a god. Uh, Kristaps has been okay. He's had his ups and downs. He was pretty average against the Magic. He got put in prison by future Defensive Player of the Year, Jonathan Isaac. Um, yeah, they're just a weird team, in my opinion. Timmy comes off the bench and he just puts up shots. 
we know he loves to put up shots and he, he gets to do that. Um, Dorian Finney-Smith playing a lot in the starting lineup. He doesn't score a lot, but he plays solid defense. Maxi Kleber um, has been playing bits and pieces as a starter and off the bench, and he's a very solid player. Um, they have a bunch of point guards, Barrea, Wright, and Brunson. Don't really need to worry about them, but um, seeing as the Knicks are a team that people go off for career highs against and they seem to play players back into form, um, they have Seth Curry on this team who was like third in the league in three-point shooting last year, so um, he'll probably hit about 17 threes against us. Um, I reckon Chris Duffs will have a massive revenge game, especially if there's no um, Mitchell Robinson out there protecting the paint because Randall has been just awful defensively. And then today, I think he had three of his four fouls were on closing out on jumpers. And we know Chris Dupps is a bit of a pussy and scared of the paint and likes to shoot jumpers. So he'll probably get to the line 19 times. Um, and he'll probably make 18 of them, which is more than the Knicks could ever make as a team in one singular game. But yeah, they're a weird team. Five and two, they've had a couple of close wins. Um, I don't know. I haven't paid much attention to them. I just can't bear to do it with Chris Ups. I don't know why. Some mental block that I just... Some irrational. It's an irrational mental block. I don't know why I have it, but I do. Because I love Lucas so much. I do. I really do. He's been... As I said, he's been fantastic. Um, I will never forgive Trey Burke, who now plays for the Sixers, for ruining that pick for us. Sadly, Courtney Lee doesn't play. I always loved him. He was a true professional, a true vet. Um, I think we could do what we did with him with some of the veterans we currently have on the team because Courtney Lee was no doubt better than 90% of the players that played for the Knicks last year. Um, he was an excellent three-point shooter, solid defender, but he couldn't get in the game. And um, He accepted his role as being a veteran mentor and coming in sporadically. And Maybe the Knicks could take a hint and do that again with some of their players. <clears throat> Bobby Porters, <clears throat> Marcus Morris. Oh, sorry, what was that? Um, Yeah, then they take on the Cleveland Cavaliers at home on a Sunday. The Cavs are a weird team as well because they're sort of like the Knicks in that they have their young building blocks, they have their young players, but then they have their veterans who actually like want to win and play good basketball. Kevin Love's been back to his rebounding best so far this year. Three-point shooting hasn't necessarily been there, but... Um, he'll he'll demand a hard bargain in a trade. The Cavs won't want to give him up for free. Kevin Porter Jr. got suspended for making contact with the referee, and obviously, it was a it was a very deliberate bump. He tried to make it look not so deliberate, but he completely he took the longest way possible possible to the bench, which was running behind and hitting a referee. Yeah, so that that's that's a bit funny, isn't it? Colin Sexton is still shooting a lot of threes. Is he shooting a lot of threes? I'm not sure. No, he's not shooting a lot. He's shooting a lot. Just a lot. He's shooting a lot and not defending, which is nothing new. Darius Garland's having his rookie struggles. So, yeah, the Cavs are 2-6, and 2-5, and five, actually, 2-5. and five. So they have one more win than us. And as I said before, I think I mentioned it just briefly, Tristan Thompson is playing basketball at a very high level. So um, if one or he or Kevin Love just has... 29 rebounds against us, I wouldn't be surprised because our defensive rebounding is in the bottom third of the league at the moment. Um, Jordan Clarkson has been cold all season. 
like I predicted with Seth Curry, he'll probably come in and uh, score 34 off the bench. Just nothing would surprise me at this point. The Knicks, Knicks going to nick, aren't they? They're just going to do what they do best, which is just be miserable um, and just be be the laughing stock of the league, unfortunately. Well, at least that is at the moment. Um, if you can't tell, I'm a cynic. I always have been. I tell people I'm a realist, but people say I'm a cynic. I still believe I'm a realist. Like, the Knicks suck, don't they? Like, that's that's the truth at the moment. The Knicks suck. They are bad. That's not being cynical. That's just, like, they're 1-7 and seven and last in the NBA. Like, they are bad. Really bad. Like, if you extrapolate this, like, they're on pace for, like, 10 wins. Not even. Like, it's incredible. So, interesting two games coming up. I'm not looking forward to the... Mavericks game. I'm hoping I can watch it because if the if they win, it'll be fantastic, and I'll be back to saying that the Knicks will be going 75 and seven. Um, so it all depends though, because if I'm at work, I'm not really paying attention to the game. Like I work in a factory, so it'll be like up on a screen to the right of my head, like a meter or so away. I'm not converting that. Get on the metric system. Um, it'll be like off to the right in the background. There's no volume on the computers. And I, like, work with my hands, hands, so, like, I put stuff together. So I have to, like, kind of pay attention to what I'm doing so I don't drill a hole through my hand again. Um, that was fun. I did that over a year ago, but no accident since. Um, it all depends. We we might not be open on Saturday anyway, so kind of... I, I get paid well on Saturdays. I won't say how much, $42 an hour. <clears throat> Sorry to gloat, but yeah, if we're not open, I'm not going to complain. I get to sit home and uh, get up at whatever time the game starts, get up half an hour before the game, go and get a coffee, relax, um, rather than get up at 5.45 to go to work. Yes, anyway, we will end it there for the fourth episode of the Osnick podcast. Today was just a bit of off of emotion a bit and just kind of fed up with the miserable existence that we are as a basketball club. Um, I've been Ned. I've been here in my bedroom. I'm still sick. Hopefully I'll be better next time. And Hopefully the audio of this one isn't too shitty um, because I can hear my voice as I talk and it's pretty husky at the moment or it's pretty croaky. I think croaky is more appropriate. Um... I've kind of rambled on a bit and gone off on tangents and spoken a bit quickly. Anyways, yes, I've been Ned. This has been the Osnick Podcast. Make sure you chuck us a follow on Twitter at Ned7H21. The handle for this podcast is at Osnick, so A-U-S-K-N-I-C-K. I haven't used it much because no one follows me. Um, feel free to follow my professional journalistic account, which is at Ned underscore R-M-I-T. That's my uni one where I'm supposed to post professional content and tweet professionally. But, you know, I don't really do that, do I? Because I'm just a nuffy who likes basketball and tweets bullshit about basketball. Anyway, I've rambled on for long enough. Catch you next time.